on another Wednesday, the Wednesday before Christmas. I hope that your life is going great. Uh, we're going to do a shorter lesson today because it is busy. I know a lot of you have a lot to do, and we really appreciate that you invite us into your lives, into your ears, um, whether you're watching on the laptop or on your television or whether you're listening on a podcast. Thank you. It means a lot. Hit subscribe, hit like, tell somebody about this, and we can grow this class as we grow, grow this church. We're just going to look at Romans 13 today, and it will take a little bit less time because, again, the, the rush of this week. But it's a really heavy chapter. It has an awful lot to do with contemporary issues for us and issues that were very contemporary for Joseph and Mary. More to come. Let's just start. Uh, in the end of chapter 12, Paul was giving a list, life rules, life hacks, if you will. Uh, you know, never be lacking in zeal, be joyful in hope, love must be sincere. And he, these little one and two liners that you could put down in a notebook, and that's, by the way, a very good idea, and then use these to guide your life. Um, I remember once um, when I was up in Rochester, Michigan, I was up there for about 10 years, I think. And somewhere in the process, um, a couple came up to uh, myself and to my executive minister. And they said, um, you, you keep telling us that we need to grow in our faith and grow in our practice. And they say, we, we get that. What we don't know is how, how do you measure that? And we looked at each other and thought, that's a brilliant question. Uh, as one of them even put it, it's like bowling if there's a sheet over the pins. We don't know how well we're doing. I thought that was brilliant and that we needed to hear that so we could change up the way we taught. And so we developed a, si a system of metrics for us about growing and serving and, and the like. But this would have been brilliant uh, if somewhat longer. Well, chapter 12 continues. Please remember all chapter and verse divisions were stuck in there by man and they are not natural and they do interrupt the narrative. So he is continuing to lay out these rules for life. Now rules for life have something in common. They are generally wise. They are, um, they are here obviously from God through Paul and the Holy Spirit, but they are also not 100% applicable in every single situation. For example, never be lacking in zeal. That would be hard for somebody in Auschwitz or, or um, one, a camp like that, hunted by uh, Paul Pot in Cambodia. Or um, be patient in affliction. Patience is something which comes and goes in affliction. We understand this, right? It's like Proverbs. Proverbs are things that are generally true, but not always true. In fact, if you read the book of Proverbs, you'll find that some Proverbs contradict each other because in this situation, it's usually true. In that situation, this one's usually true, but they don't get along with each other. That's the way these will do as well. And that's important to understand before we get into chapter 13 because it has been used and misused through the, uh, the last 2,000 years. There's a lot of power in this thing. And we've got to figure out context and who is speaking, what their social cultural complex was, uh, con uh, content and, and uh, context, 
everything about the community and the people that were receiving this in Rome, because Jerusalem, wherever you know Paul is, uh, he's he's working in Corinth and Ephesus. Rome is a different critter, all on its own. So, first, first, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. This was a, uh, rather, this is a passage which has been used to justify slavery, uh, dictatorships, the mass incarceration of people. It has been used to justify many gross abuses of human rights through the years. And so we need to look at it honestly. I always heard it waffled about. When I was growing up, the great enemy was the USSR, the Soviet Union. And we were always warned that one day the Soviet Union was going to take over us. Uh, whether you're in England or you're Scotland or whether you're America, uh, those miss missiles are going to reach you. Uh, the tanks are coming through the Fulda Gap in Germany, and we, we lived with that constant boogeyman out there hunting us. And you, know, you would have nuclear war drills where we were told to climb under our desk when the bell went off or the siren. And I can even remember walking home and seeing posters up that had a radioactive symbol, and these were the places we were to run to if we were walking to and from school or the shops and the alarm went off because there's, these were the fallout shelters and there would be, at least we'd have a chance of protection and there'd be some food and water stored. So this was a daily thing. And so whenever they would teach us Bible classes and we'd come across this, they would say, now you uh, obey the government unless uh, obeying the government would go against God. And it was always, the Soviet Union's government was the bad one, and whichever one we were in was the good one. And then they would try to explain it away otherwise. They would say, well, here it just means that God has ordained that human communities need a structure with authority. That's a very dangerous road to go down. Because first of all, Jesus said no. Jesus said the Gentiles have those that lord it over you and call themselves your, your benefactors. Yeah, we are ruling over you, but it's for your good. And Jesus looked at his apostles and said, but among you, this shall not be so. In fact, Jesus went to great pains to say that he was greater than his apostles, but that he was among them as a servant and he served them. He washed their feet. He took care of them. He made sure they had food and rest. And he said, I don't call you anything now, but friends. It was very, very different from any government system, including that in the United States or Canada or England or Germany, or this is not some way of saying God set up authorities because we really need that. I think all of us need to listen to wiser people, but in the community that belongs to Jesus, I think we need to be careful about how we phrase our relationship with government and um, in fact, people on the left and right have used these passages against each other as cudgels, as, as clubs. 
maybe we need to think about where Paul was. Paul was uh, most likely in house under house arrest as he wrote this, but he he would be in prison and house arrest most of the rest of his life. Frankly, this is going to be brutal and diff. But he never ever said this is against my rights. Now he appealed to Caesar when he had been mistreated, and another time he called for a bodyguard whenever some people had uh, threatened death against him. So he was he was in that system but in that system they had no concept of individual rights they had no concept of the individual's need trumping that of community and the community was run by those on top and there was no disputing rome used to be a republic and it would have um, it would have a variety of checks and balances but it had become a dictatorship by this time. And so for the most of the next 2000 years, people would be ruled by dictatorships. Um, those of you that watched um, Mel Gibson's movie Braveheart, there are a ton of things in there that were not historical by any stretch, by the way. And one of them was that, that idea of prima nocta, that the, the king or his representative in any area uh, had the, the right to have uh, sex with your bride before you did. You know, that that actually has appeared in some documents, but there has never been an incident in history where we can see anybody ever tried to do that. But that was one of the rules um, that they got wrong there. The whole concept of kingship, however, was that God had chosen them. How dare you go against who God has chosen? I'm king and I am king because God chose me. And that continued, by the way, throughout many different nations up until more recent times when we're not told that as often by governments, but we are often told that by cult leaders and church leaders, that God has anointed them or called them, so they're gonna make this decision. This is a very dangerous road. It is a very slippery slope here. And I don't use that term often because it's usually used as a, an excuse not to move or do anything. It is very quick to go from, I believe God has called me to be a leader to I'm in charge of you, here's what you do. So what's going on? He's telling them, be good citizens. Uh, so, and in fact, he'll, he'll go over some of that here in a bit. Uh, Christians are strangers and pilgrims, and they are to behave in a way that does not bring shame upon their king, God. Therefore, um, I've never seen a president that I could say I agreed with 100%, uh, not even close. Certainly not a big fan of the British royal family. Um, and again, it's not anything personal or hateful. It's just I do not believe that these people have a, a moral right handed to them by God to lead us. Instead, there are elections in, the, in America, and of course there are elections in England as well, uh, Scotland and Ireland, and you know, but they, there's this monarchy that's tacked on top of it that um, we could argue about how effective that is or how worthwhile that is. Well, you could argue, because I don't plan to have any time to do that. What we can say is this, if I go, to France, 
uh, and I've been lovely people. I don't care what you've heard about Paris. The people in Paris that I talked to were very kind, very helpful. Uh, even when I found out I couldn't speak French, I thought I could. Uh, they were very kind. So, but if I go there, I'm going to do things the way the French people do it. I'm going to drive on that side of the road. If it's illegal to park here, I'm not going to park there. If there is a tax for doing, for you know, buying this hotel for the night, or by, for um, if I'm not allowed to buy a certain product at a certain, I'm going to go by their rules. If I cross the channel over to Great Britain, I'll drive on the other side. I won't talk about how stupid it is to drive on this side or that side. I, I'll do the roundabouts. Uh, I'll go into the shops and I'll get in a queue and I'll do things the way it's done there because I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. I must respect the laws of the country that I'm passing through. And I would do that regardless of where I go. I try to make sure that I bring no offense upon Christ by my behavior. I'm not going to be the ugly American. And by the way, that is a name of a book, I believe written way back in the 60s. But it has, it has become um, very well known as a phrase that Americans often believe everything should be done the way they do it. And so when they're in another country, they're always telling other people a better way to do it. And sometimes with a very loud voice. Don't be that person. Uh, instead, be the person that is gentle and kind and all those things he said in chapter 12. Be a good citizen. I pay my taxes. In fact, I don't really have any clue how to do taxes. So for, oh my goodness, probably 30 years, I've had first one gentleman and then when he retired, the man who took over his practice, they do all of the taxes and we make sure everything is paid. Couple times I've been audited, and it's gone very, very well. Um, they don't—they're not. Sometimes they—they they get a little suspicious whenever you're giving your your salary so much back into the church, and and it's not just me, by the way. You guys do it too, and you're you're amazing givers. Uh, but sometimes back in the day when they had an extra bunch of IRS agents, they looked for things like that and said, eh, "We're not really sure. Let, let us just see." As soon as they saw their fine. Uh, so keep your receipts um, and make sure the church gives you a letter. So just be good citizens. Now, he's, he's not going to be done here. Uh, don't rebel against the authority because you're rebelling against then what God has established. That's what they felt in those days. For us, I would say don't rebel against the authorities. That's not effective, for one. I don't believe carrying a sign does that. Now, there were... Um, there are ways to argue with that and be correct because the more I learn about the civil rights movement, I see that marches and boycotts had a lot to do with bringing this to the fore and some political pressure. It was more the reaction against them, I think, that brought the political pressure because they're on television. You see um, white men hosing, turning fire hoses on black marchers who only just wanted the right to eat at a place and to go to the bathroom at a place. I mean, so yeah, but watch how you rebel. I don't believe that I'll ever, I ever have the right to throw a bomb or to, um, to shoot a policeman because I don't like what's going on. 
And again, you and I may disagree about what level and when, but we can all agree that what we want to do is live in a way that brings credit to Christ and shows Christ, not our anger, our petulance, or our demands, but justice, mercy, and peace. All right, that's probably controversial enough, and that's sad. He goes on, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. Now, again, generally speaking, true. But have you ever had your cruise control set? And maybe even just exactly on the speed limit or you, you, you know, a little bit more, because you know they'll give you a little bit more. And then you look behind you and there's a policeman following you. What happens? And you're a good person. You're doing right. But all of a sudden, it'll... <laughs> and you make sure your hands are at the two, you know, 10 and 2 position. It's, it's natural because these are people that have authority. And you're probably not wearing a weapon, but they are. Uh, they're not going to use it against you. But that concern. And by the way, <clears throat> it is very true that driving while black is a thing. Uh, I have talked to I don't know how many police officers who are black, judges, um, professors, and they get pulled over more. And I, I work with a lot of law enforcement. And we talk about this. And I think that it's going to get better. And I'm very sorry that it has taken so long to even get them, get this changed at all. Um, it's heartbreaking, frankly. But my experience as a white man will be different than if I was a, an African-American and the police is behind me. Even, even though both of us are driving the same car in the same way and dressed the same way. So once again, Paul is giving a general statement, but it does not apply in all countries, all cultures, with all people, in all situations. That's the way Proverbs and life hacks go. So then he says, um, for the one who is, uh, let's see, yeah, do what is right and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Once again, Paul knew of no other system. He had seen nothing else work. And so he was trying to make sure this system and the Christians in it would work within the system. Again, I don't think this applies much. Uh, to every situation, that um, they are God's servant does remind us of something, and that is if those in authority do misuse that authority and they mistreat their people, they are servants of God and will answer to him. But that is small comfort to you if you and your children are incarcerated or laws are passed that make you persona non grata, um, that take away your job, that uh, take away your ability to feed your family uh, and you hear the cries of your children, this, it, it's very small comfort to think, well, one day that guy will get his. So just be aware, this is a really difficult passage because it comes from a specific place and time speaking 
to a specific people in a specific culture that had amazing limitations. And they're being told, navigate these wisely. I, I love that, that phrase, be as wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. That's a tough, that's a tough road right there, but it's worth taking. The, um, this is often used to, um, um, to back up capital punishment. And then they'll flash back to the Old Testament where the law of Moses did declare capital punishment for a variety of things. Those of you that believe the commandments say do not kill, actually, you know, Lotishma means do no murder. And killing and murder were two different things. And I do believe that there are times where one must have the right to defend oneself. But swaggering about hoping someone tries, that's a different thing. And when it comes to the death penalty, as somebody who has worked with death row inmates, still am, uh, with just one right now, but communicating with a couple, um, and who has um, been in prisons to visit people in, um, what, three states, four states now, I can tell you that um, it's not just the bad guys that go to prison. A lot of bad guys don't go. It's who has the money for the right lawyer. And that once again means that minorities are way overrepresented in jails because they did not have the funds for the lawyers. And that's awful. And so when it comes to capital punishment, we find that once again, it's whoever doesn't have the right lawyer. That one's the most likely to get the needle. And that's why I don't support this. Way too many people have been freed from death row from DNA evidence that proved it wasn't them. Way too many. And I, so I just can't support it. If you do support it, I understand that. I do. And I hope that God's grace will cover you as much as I have to have it cover me because we are both wrong about many things. But we, I don't believe we can use this passage to say, well, that means uh, we should be killing more people in prison. I, I don't want to use illustrations. I'm just going to say if somebody in my family had been violated and tortured and killed, of course in my heart, I would want them dead in the most horrific way possible. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants. And I must submit to him. And I pray God he never puts me to that test. If he's put you to that test, you need to know my heart breaks for you. This is also verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I can get behind that. Uh, I, I do not like the way the government uses taxes. I do not like the tax policy. I do not like the way local governments use taxes and their tax policies. I, um, I'm just not a big fan of politics or politicians, but I'll tell you this, I pay what I owe and I may, I hired this guy to make sure I pay what I owe because I, I would miss it. I, I would I absolutely, I'd overpay or underpay, probably underpay because I, I wouldn't be paying attention. So I got a guy, 
And it costs me about $500 a year for him to look over everything. And it's worth it. You know, that's a lot of money for me. Uh, sometimes it's not easy just to write that check. But it's easier than being in prison, I think. So, okay. Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Learn, learn to respect those who take care of you. Whether they're the person that does your lawn. Uh, so far, I'm still able to do mine. But um, if somebody's doing your lawn, show them respect. If someone's picking up your garbage. It's a hot day. Make sure there's something cold out there for them to drink. Make sure they have a place that they can come in and use the restroom. Show honor. You need these people. I cannot do plumbing. I cannot do electricity. If I need an electrician or a plumber, those people should be shown respect. Same was with your doctors and nurses. By the way, they did not create COVID, nor did they make COVID protocols or policy. Don't take out your frustrations on them. They're, they're the ones who are seeing the worst. Let us not be another bad day for them. In fact, when we walk in, let's make sure we are their highlight of their day. All right. If, if honor, then honor. I, I do love that. And I've heard all my life, by the way, people say, well, you can't demand respect. You have to earn it. Well, that's completely untrue. Where'd you get that idea? If you're in the military and you come out of boot camp, basic training, whatever you want to call yours, and here, here walks by a guy and he went to college. He didn't go do what you did. And he didn't go through the same boot camp you did. And you think he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but he's got a little butterball, that one gold bar over here. He's a second lieutenant or he's, he's an ensign. You have to salute. You don't look at him and say, buddy, you're going to have to earn this. No, the position they hold, you show respect. So while I'm not a fan of politicians and I wouldn't go out of my way to, to listen or watch one, if they're going to sh shut my road because a motorcade's got to come by, it is inconvenient, but okay. Uh, okay. I'll show honor, respect. I'll also do that to firefighters. I'll do it to nurses and I'll do it to my next door neighbors. Honor to whom honors do. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for, watch this, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. All of you church people that grew up with a ton of extra laws, don't play cards, sing only this song, don't do this during worship, you better what? The Bible could not be plainer that those are not from God. Love one another fulfills the law. And Paul has already talked about in this book that many people fulfill the law and never got the law. They, by nature, are just loving others. God respects that. So should we. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I have lived in two places where I could not outlove my neighbors. Uh, in Colorado Springs, there was a couple behind us, and I'm, I seriously tried to outlove them. 
and everything I did, they loved back more. And we've got a couple of neighbors here that are about the same. In fact, it's a lovely neighbor. I love our neighborhood. It's kind of a microcosm uh, of all, all colors of people uh, and all colors of collars, from blue collars to white collar. And they, they seem to really get along well with each other and hang out with each other. And you'll see them standing on the corners talking to each other. I love our neighborhood. And it's getting more and more like that every year, which makes me happy. Uh, but I have neighbors that sincerely care that we're okay. And when Cammy and I were away recently, sent their kids over to mow our lawn. They didn't need to do that. They watered our flowers. They watched over things. And it's just, how cool is that? And it makes you realize, maybe I should be doing that too. And if nobody's doing it to me, maybe I should start the process. All right. Um, therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. And we're about to wrap up here and do this. Understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul believed that Jesus was coming back very, very quickly. So did the early Christians. So did the first 150, 200 years. Every single generation has declared that they are the last days. Every single one. And every single one's been wrong. I have friends in this area that cannot get off, well, the rise of COVID and then the restrictions and then the mask. And this is the sign of the end of the age. And you can go on YouTube if you want to. Don't do this. You can go on YouTube if you want to and pick up all kinds of sermons where they're waving the Bibles about and they're just sincere. These are the last days. Every generation since Jesus has been convinced absolutely all the signs say this is it. Do not join that crowd. Instead, live for Jesus in love. And one day you will go to him. Whenever he wants to come here is up to him. But every generation's been puffed up that they're the special ones. Don't do that. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. This is very good advice, by the way. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back right now. In fact, I don't think he is. I don't. I, he'll come back sometime, but I don't have any reason to believe it's now. However, all of this is good, good advice. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's a good idea. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. That's advice I can take. Any generation can. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify desires of the flesh. What a, what a passage for right before Christmas. Joseph and Mary were going to be registered and pay their taxes. Do you think that was a joyful thing? No, of course it wasn't. But it was an obligation to their community and they were being good citizens and they went and did as required. And there was no sin in signing up. 
being in the census. There was no sin in paying the taxes. Even if Rome uses the taxes to do evil, that's out of our control. I don't know what Kroger does. It's a grocery store. I don't know what Kroger does with my money. Don't know what Publix does with my money, but that's okay. My deal was I will hand the money and I will get bread. What they do with the money, that's up to them. But I will not steal the bread. I will honor them and I will pay what the price is if I have that kind of money. It's the way it is. Uh, and by the way, I know many of you are hurting right now. Inflation is way up. Uh, gas prices way up. I'm aware it's a very difficult time. It's easy to join the, the herd on Twitter or WhatsApp or Instagram or the like uh, that are either for or against the current administration. It has always been easy to do so. I think social media has made it now super easy. But do not become a keyboard commando. Be gentle. Be loving. You may speak the truth, but always be aware that that which you think is true, you might change your mind on one day. And I know I have on many things. So be gentle. And in this Christmas time, clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Give yourself as a gift to those you love. It really makes a difference. Merry Christmas. We'll see you 